Hello, welcome, and thanks for checking in today to No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. I'm an Airbnb ambassador and 17-time super host, and I've hosted over 1,000 reservations. I'm a stay-at-home mom of two under two and manage my eight listings remotely. My mission is to help new and experienced vacation rental hosts turn their listings into fully booked, profitable properties that can be managed from anywhere, so you too can have no vacancies. If that sounds good to you, let's get right into the show. Welcome back to another episode of No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer, and today I am really excited to talk about a topic I have not yet covered on the show, and that is rental arbitrage. And I had to turn to none other than Kara Castleberry for this. I'm so excited to have her. If you guys don't follow her on Instagram already at Coach for the Host, you are missing out because she has the best content on this topic. And she is actually one of the speakers at Level Up Your Listing Summit. So right now, I just really want to jump into all the arbitrage questions for her. So Kara, thank you so much for being on. Do you want to introduce yourself and tell us how you got started in in this whole world of short-term rentals. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, so where do I even start? <laughs> I like to keep my bio short because I know people are like, okay, tell us about the arbitrage. Do you want to know about the arbitrage? <laughs> they just want to get to the but, meaty stuff. <laughs> right, like, just give me the meat. Um, but my name is Kiara. I started off hosting in 2019, beginning of 2019. I was still in college at the time, um, but I had moved with my husband for like my last semester. And because he was in the military. So I moved to Virginia with him from Texas, still in school. And I got really bored. And I was like, okay, like, I'm kind of bored. Like, I'm used to doing stuff all the time. So he ended up, I ended up kind of convincing him to do Airbnb because through like a friend, I saw that she was making a lot of money. I was like, girl, that's how much I'll be making in a year. And you made it in a month. So um, I know, right? So she ended up kind of showing me the ropes, telling me that I could do it. You know, I could use arbitrage. And I was like, wait, that's legal. And basically, well, if you're listening, you don't know what arbitrage is. It's basically when... Yeah, I'm let's really quickly you, right? just back up and define. <laughs> right, I'm going really far. <laughs> I've not done a single episode on arbitrage yet, so you are the one like introducing our audience <laughs> oh. to this. Yes. Oh my gosh, it's it's a big topic right now. So it's called rental arbitrage. Some people call it Airbnb arbitrage, but it's basically when a landlord lets you sublet their apartment or their house, or I mean. It's so many different things. Um, I mean, people do arbitrage with drop shipping and, and Amazon. Like people right. have like the third suppliers or the, the suppliers in China and then they sell it on Amazon. So if you're you're like, I don't understand, think about it like that. You're just kind of using someone else's product to run your business. But you're sort fun. of <laughs> the middleman, basically, right? So, <laughs> so you approach an apartment owner or a homeowner and long-term rent or find a long-term lease through them. And then you're turning around and subleasing that or renting it as a short-term rental. Yes. Okay. So first question right out of the gate. Actually, before we jump into that, I want you to finish the story of how you got started. Um, Because I always love just hearing how people, you know, what gave them the hosting itch and made them think that they could do it. Yeah. So it's crazy because I didn't see Airbnb as like a long-term thing. I worked, I got my degree in accounting, worked for a couple of big four accounting firms and, um, 
honestly, if I'm being honest with you, no one's really honest with you about how Black women are treated in in those kind of corporate environments. And I talked to some of my superiors and I was like, yeah, like I'm working here. Y'all didn't tell me it was like this. And they were like, honestly, you just have to get over it. If you go home and cry every day, just get over it. At least you're getting paid. And I think with my generation, we're kind of like, no, I'm just not going to put up with someone treating me bad. And and like, just, I don't know, being really nasty. And it, it was bad. It was pretty bad. One day I'll probably talk about it. But um, I realized that Airbnb, I was making the same amount of money a month on my unit as I did as an accountant. So for me, it was like, okay, if I get a few more of these things, and this is just arbitrage, um, one bed, one bath property at the, at the time, no more than 600 square feet. I was like, well, I might as well get more. So I got more properties and basically scaled up to where we are today. And then now we do the ownership side as well as the arbitrage and it's been amazing (laughs) it's been great yeah and you're getting to do it on your own terms you don't have this boss or this corporate structure that you know you're I don't know misaligned with like you're fully it's you it's your business like yes you go through you know Airbnb or something or maybe you're dependent on a pricing algorithm but if you don't Mm -hmm. like it you change the software you're using you ditch Airbnb and you go to Verbo you do a direct booking site it's all you so I think that's amazing you found this when you were feeling so I don't know unaccepted like in the corporate world and you're just like instead of crying about it screw this I'm gonna go make more money screw all the help no but you know the crazy part is in accounting um as an intern and when I was working for these companies, you can see the engagement letters of how much you get charged, like how much people are paying for your position. And I, these people, these other companies are paying the accounting co- firms like 20 to 30 times what they were paying me. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I was like, I'm worth that much? So that's really what pushed me over the edge, too, because I'm like, okay, if I'm worth that much to the world, how much am I worth alone? And that's kind of what pushed me over to become an entrepreneur because I've never had an entrepreneur book. Like I've been, I've had an entrepreneurial spirit, but I've never said to myself, I want to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to be an accountant because of the stability and the way I grew up. I grew up in poverty. So I wanted something stable. Entrepreneurship is all over the place. (laughs) The exact opposite of that. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) No, that's a really, really amazing story. And two, it's like, you really just have to figure it out on the first unit and then you copy and paste it and you scale it up. You see, Mm -hmm. whoa, I'm making... $2,000 a month or whatever it is on this one, what if I double that or triple it or quadruple it? And there's just no limit once you know what you're doing. Um, So where are you today with everything? Um, You mentioned, you know, it's grown to all of this. What is all of this for you? How many units and what's the whole structure you're doing? That's a good question. So right now, um, what I can tell you is, My husband and I realized very quickly on that we were paying a lot to our landlords. So at one point, I think we paid like $15,000 a month in in rent. Just I mean, we made good money. This is for the arbitrage units or for you personally where you live? Okay, okay. So Oh, yeah, arbitrage. So with all of our units combined, I'm like, that's a lot of money we're just giving to our landlord. And for them, they're just gaining equity. So we were like, okay, we probably should look into ownership. We've heard a little bit about it. We didn't know much about it. My husband's, you know, he has a VA loan. So we ended up deciding to purchase a really nasty, ugly property. Um, Took us about nine months to to build it up it's our little baby nine-month baby and then um and then we ended up like uh just yeah we renovated it and then put it on airbnb but our goal right now our goal is to use arbitrage as a stepping stone because when we did go to our lenders to get our mortgage we showed that we only used our income from our airbnbs that we were making from like i think at the time seven or eight units that we had 
to like be like, hey, we have money. Yeah. Um, so when we got that loan, then we started liquidating properties and selling a few properties because our goal was always to build up. So we sold those properties and our owner, like the house we own is making the same as like three or four arbitrage units. Wow. So it's less work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because and oh. and that's it's making more because it's a better property or just because you don't have the expenses of paying rent to someone? I'll say both. I'll both. say all of it. Sure. <laughs> I'll say that um, rent is expensive now. So hmm, I really, and you probably know this is too, because we're both in the space. Inflation's going up, you know, like home prices, no, home prices, rents are going up. But the industry, the hospitality industry is not. So that's kind of where things are changing. So for us, it was like, okay, let's not pay rent. Let's buy something instead. And it was just like the best. And, and also it's like bigger. Most of our arbitrage units are one bedrooms so and our property is like a three bedroom. Sleeps okay. six, well, sleeps eight people and it's really big. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's a really, and we'll dive into the actual structure of arbitrage and how you do it and all. Like, I really want to get into that. Um, but mm-hmm. I do think it's interesting how my, how I got my start is all through co-hosting. I don't have any arbitrage <gasps> units. It's all managing oh. other people's. And finally, last year is the first time my husband and I bought our own property. And now, I know, and that's how I feel about you. Congrats to you. But now that I've owned one and I don't have an owner, like, breathing down my neck on certain (laughs) ways that they want it managed, um, I can call the shots on my own property. I make more on that one than any of the others. I'm totally Mm -hmm. with you where it's like co-hosting was a very good stepping stone for me, and I'm still very passionate about how it can get people started in the industry on no money. And I still teach about co-hosting and will speak on it and everything. But I'm very much like that is not the end goal. Ownership is. And it seems like that's similar with you. Arbitrage is what you have to thank for your start. But now it's like... Let's let's kind of phase this out and and pick up on ownership and bring in the new the new era. <laughs> yes, totally. Yeah. Oh, congrats. Um, seriously, that's huge because I know how hard it is buying a house and dealing with underwriters. So seriously, like, congrats to you guys too. Thank so. you, and you <laughs> as well. We'll have to like house swap and visit each other places or something. <laughs> right? No, literally. <laughs> um, I love that. Okay, so let's dive into arbitrage then. For the people okay. who are just getting started and don't have money mm-hmm. to buy a property right now, you can see that this is how people get their start into ownership. Yeah. So if that is your long term goal. I don't think you have to be sitting out on the sidelines waiting until you can afford to own. You can get into hosting now and have this help you build up. So I want to ask you, first of all, how do you find properties and owners that are willing to let you do this arbitrage model? I think just someone who hasn't heard of this before, this sounds so sketchy. Like, hold on, I'm just going (laughs) to rent long term from someone and sublease Uh it. What landlord would get on board for that? So tell us a bit about that process. Yeah, well, it's funny because that's how I felt too. When I first found out about it, I was like, this seems illegal. Like, I'm not going to jail for this. Like, but according to most laws, as long as it's in your lease and it says that you can, you know, sublet, you're fine. But to find owners, I always tell people the secret is doing the same, doing the one thing that no one else wants to do, and that's just calling around. So we personally use sites like Zillow, har.com if you're in Texas. Um, what is it? Har.com? Uh, H-A-R, so har. Okay. It's so amazing. Um, we use uh, Redfin, well, okay. sort of. But we just use different rental sites um, because they're marketing their properties, right? And I guess this kind of gets into like how, a little bit into how, like how do you convince them? But just like they have to market their properties to get rented, you, you know, you're kind of, 
you have to figure out, okay, you just have to figure out where your audience is at. Everyone's on these rental sites. So that's how we find the properties. But you can also like drive around. I always tell people just stay away from condos and anything with HOAs. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure you know that. I but, actually, um, I'm in every listing I manage is in a condo complex. So everything I do is really? HOA. But I think I'm, so I don't tell people to avoid I don't want to go down this uh-huh. tangent too far, right. I want to start refresh, whole, but I'll just like, you know, enlighten <laughs> yeah. people. Um, uh-huh. It's definitely possible to do in an HOA, but you have to stay vigilant on it. And full transparency, guys, my dad is president of our HOA board <laughs> because oh, he was like, okay, we've got a lot invested here now oh. and let's make sure that we have representation on the board. Right. And so, right. you know, there are perks to it because they handle all of your landscaping and our pool and our jacuzzi is maintained mm-hmm. and everything. And we're in a yeah. snow area. So they handle all of the snow plowing, trash yeah. removal. So I do love being in the HOA for those things, but you definitely yeah. have to make sure you know what the rules are and you're staying vigilant that the board mm-hmm. doesn't suddenly vote it out. Um, so yeah. Yeah. But I've can, seen it. Continue. I, yeah. I, no, I've seen it. So I guess in the Houston market specifically, I've seen it happen so many times where people are like, oh, yeah, Kira, no, like my HOA is good. I think arbitrage is a little trickier because if you own the property, um, you can kind of pivot. Like you can find a long-term tenant. You can possibly sell the property. But when you're in arbitrage, you have a lease to fulfill. Yeah. And if you cannot fulfill that lease, baby, you are done. Yeah. Um, and that could really, you know, put a sour mouth into the landlord's uh, sour taste into the landlord's mouth. But yes, I agree with you. If you can find a like a, a an HOA where they're like, you know, for sure they will never like say, oh, you can't do this anymore. The day after you start hosting, do it. But if not, it's an arbitrage host. I would just stay away. That's a really great point too. That you know, maybe for ownership or co-hosting, being in a condo works a little bit better because. For me, like I own a condo there, so I have a vote in on the board, yeah, right? And yeah. even with my owners I co-host for, uh, I tell them like, make sure that you vote this way and this. And they're like, yes, we um, want to protect our investment. Right? But with arbitrage, oh. you're just renting it. You have no vote. You don't own any no. stake in that complex. So I think it is, I think you're probably right on that one, that just arbitrage is a different model where I think an HOA is probably not the best option. Yeah, I've seen some things. Oh, and it's like, you can you can do all you want. Um, you could offer all the money in the world, but these are the people, people live here. Like these are people's homes. They don't want Airbnb. Unfortunately, like when, once they're fed up, they're fed up. Um, but it also, I also blame, like not even blame, but some people just don't know, you know, the proper etiquette of making sure, you know, your, your people are not, you know, loud at 10 AM or yeah. you, you're only inviting people or you're only letting people stay there who are there for work. For Like, you know, just those little things. And as an owner, I feel like you're more vigilant to what your neighbors care about. But as a, sometimes for rental arbitrage, some people just don't care. They're like, you know what? I'm just trying to make a book. I don't care who stays here. I have rent to pay. Yeah. Could we yeah. <laughs> talk about this a little bit more? Because I think that arbitrage I've seen has gotten a bad rap unfairly. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I think that exactly what you just touched on. When you own a property... Or when you're co-hosting it, obviously when you own it, you are very invested that that property maintains quality and that it has good guests and looks good. And for co-hosting, it's the same thing because my owners are visiting the property themselves every every month. Like they'll carve out a weekend to go on vacation there themselves. So I have right. to maintain that quality because they see it. But yeah. when you just sign a year-long lease and the owner is gone out of the picture and doesn't see anything, doesn't step foot in the place... It's really on 
I don't know, you have to have kind of like an internal motivation to keep the quality up. There's no checks and balances on you. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's why arbitrage hosts tend to get the worst reputation because they are the ones who, not exclusively, but like when there are problem hosts, I think it's often an arbitrage host. So what Mm -hmm. do you, I, I don't know, like when you're coaching students and stuff, how do you like combat this and tell people they have to take care of the property? Yeah. Well, the only reason I know how to answer this is because my mom is our cleaner, but she's also the cleaner for a lot of my clients and a lot of other Airbnb people. And she always says this. She's always like, Kira, your guests are amazing. When I leave this property, it's so clean. Like I don't have much to worry about. And same for your clients, but the people who she cleans for outside of like my clients are terrible. It's always terrible. So I think there's a couple of tricks to it. The first trick, in my opinion, is in that pre-booking message that goes out before they like even into your system, we always leave like, it's like, hey, you know, we're so excited to host you. We want you to have a great experience. What brings you into town? So for us, if anyone mentions the word party or birthday, we make sure they're not having a party because it's like, we don't have time for it. Even as like owners, we don't want our our neighbors to have to deal with that. And then so just screening everyone, also making sure that there are different checks on the Airbnb backend if you're only using Airbnb, such as having the um, government ID checked yeah. um, and then the profile photo. And I'm, you know, the, I'm sure you know these. Um, and then also for us, one of the biggest things that has helped is for our one bedroom, a lot of people will say, oh, well, I have a, a, a king bed and then I have an air mattress and I also have a couch. But for us, we don't let more than two or three people in our properties. And I think that really helps. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think once you get to four, parties can happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, loud. That's, and you're talking specifically when you cram four people in a one bedroom, like in your yes. property that mm-hmm. sleeps eight, but it's a three bedroom plus two in the living yeah. room. Do you run into issues there? No, only because it's still the same thing. When we are screening, we're making sure we know how they're coming in. I could tell you, um, every one in 30, no, no, no. I'll say every one in 50 people will say, oh, yeah, we're just coming in with family. Because you can tell mm-hmm. if someone's having a party. And we're like, oh, okay, you know, how long are you going to be here? Not how long, but we just ask specific questions. And, it, and usually when we confirm, like, okay, you're confirmed, they always end up canceling once we're like, okay, so you're not having a party. Like in a very nice way, not like a confrontational way, but they're like, oh, no, we're not having a party. Cancel. <laughs> so <laughs> like we knew you were trying to have a party, yeah. but it doesn't happen. I mean, you know, you're a host too, so it doesn't happen much, but I think just making sure your your peeps know the, the rules up front really helps, but with I, arbitrage, yeah. I always hard. tell hosts too that this is just something I think comes with practice, but you definitely yeah. will develop a sixth sense on who yes. is going to party and yeah. who's going to be a bad guest. I can't yep. explain it, like, but it's just... You, you know can. it when you see it. You get the message that like sets off alarm bells and you're like, yeah, how? I don't know. I don't know how. <laughs> it's like, the, no, you know, the ones that I know are so sketchy. The ones are, oh my gosh, thank you so much for letting me stay at your property. I'm so appreciative of you. Those are always the ones I'm like, you're going to give me problems. Something's going to happen. And it always does. For me, it's the ones who like, tell their entire life story right? and they're like we're coming because I haven't Uh seen my sister in months because she broke her ankle in February and hasn't been able to travel and finally she came and we just bought a dog and want to bring him and I'm glad Uh your place is pet friendly and I'm like whoa oh my gosh (laughs) those ones always when they tell you their life story I I never thought of it like a sixth sense but you're right yeah and it just it honestly just comes with practice like I've had a lot of new hosts who 
will send me a screenshot or something of a inquiry from a guest and they're like, I feel I like something know. is off, but like, I can't tell. Exist. And I'm like, no, yeah. decline. You just know, you do it for a couple of years and you know. Um, yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so let's get back to basically how you kind of convince the owners. So you avoid HOAs um, for arbitrage. You're looking on Redfin and Zillow, you find the property and then my big question for you is what is to stop when you present this idea to the landlord, what is to stop them from being like, oh, you're going to turn around and make three or four times the rent that I'm charging you. Why don't mm-hmm. I just do that myself? Yeah, that's honestly one of the biggest questions people ask. And um, my question to, well, me and my husband, when we do our pitching, if someone does tell us that and we've gotten that, we ask them, why haven't you? Mm. Oh, well, because I, you know, I don't, I can't, I don't live in the state, all this other stuff. And like, okay, well, why, why don't you let us, if you want extra money, we can give you that too. But okay. What I always tell people is there, like, everyone's like, I want a script. I want a script. There is no script. It is conversations. It is conversational. There's two things people have to get. Okay. A, this landlord you're talking to has to understand you as a person. They have to like you. They have to like you. If they don't like you, I will not do business with you. And two, they have to understand your business model. If they don't understand Airbnb, of course, they're going to say no. But if they do like your business model, but they don't like you as a person, they're not working with you. So if you can get those two things when you're pitching, you'll be fine. But to convince them, I would say um, I, we have a running list in my program of like objections. It's probably like, like at 40 something now, but um, there are so many reasons people might say, oh, I don't know about this Airbnb thing you're trying to do. It's really just, I always tell my clients, it's giving these landlords a piece of candy to their problems, to their pain points, but it, it has to be a piece of candy that you can deliver on. So for example, um, if someone says, oh yeah, but I'm kind of worried about the in and out of the guests and stuff. Okay, well, if you want, we can do seven-day minimums. Instead of doing the one or two-day minimums, we can do seven if that makes you more comfortable. Okay, I guess that does make me more comfortable. Or if it doesn't, ask them what would make them feel more comfortable. It sells the best. And then I always say this too, the best salesman didn't become the best salesman overnight. So when you start pitching, don't expect to get it on your first try. If you do, great job. But if you don't, it's okay. It might take like 10 or 15 calls. But the best thing I can tell you out of all this advice is go in person. Mm-hmm. Don't try over the don't try over the call or don't try over the phone. It's great practice, but people are mean over the phone. When you go in person, you're like 10 to 15 to 20 times more likely to get the yes from a landlord. Wow. So you mm-hmm. will, let's say, find a place on Zillow that you're interested in. You will mm-hmm. reach out to the owner, to the landlord there, and try to mm-hmm. schedule an in-person meeting and tour the apartment yes. or whatever. Mm-hmm. You show up and then that's when you hit them with the sales pitches yep. in person when you're touring. Mm-hmm. Do you mention, people, sorry, oh, I was just going to say, oh, before you go tour the place, do you mention that you're trying to do, nope. your, no, okay, so the mm-hmm. first time that you drop that on them is in person. Is in person, okay. yeah, because people hate Airbnb, like, let me be real with you, like, these landlords, they do not like Airbnb, because when they hear Airbnb, it's synonymous with parties, so we don't talk about it until we come in person, but in person, you better come your best dressed. You better come with some business cards. You better come with 
I mean, maybe even a resume. I've never even said that, but maybe a resume, but for sure a business plan. Let them know what your plans are so they can understand you as a business. I did want to throw in there too, because I know this question, will, it might come up. People always say, okay, but what if I have to talk to the realtor or a property manager? Do not try to get past them saying, hey, can I talk to the landlord instead? Because that is A, disrespectful to them, and B, like the, the landlord literally hired them to rent out the property. So for those wondering, do not try to go past the realtor. Like try to... Try to make sure the realtor understands you as a person and likes you and understands your business model. Because once you have those two things, they're going to be happy pitching you to their landlord. Like, oh, my gosh, there was this you know amazing lady I met. You know, she's doing this really cool thing. Um, and you should really look into working with her. So ah, just want to mention that because well, people can be so mean to realtors. That's such good advice, too, because if you have a good relationship with like a landlord, that's it. He probably owns just that one property that he gives you. Uh, if you get a good relationship with the realtor, anytime they're listing places to lease in the future and they like you, they might be like, hey, let's go hit up Kira again and give her three more properties. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's great. You advice. know, that's how people scale, right? In really? Yes, okay, see, whole, I should do arbitrage. Party. I feel like I, <laughs> you're like, I can do this. I've got a gut feeling on this. Stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah, um. no, no, when I tell you, you're absolutely right. So it's the same for realtors and property managers because property managers, they're not just managing this one small apartment complex, they have multiple. Mm-hmm. That's what, so, okay, to be honest, I thought we were just lucky when we scaled that way. I'm like, oh my God, like God just looking out for us. But when my clients started scaling the exact same way at quick rates, like, hey, we have this one property available. Do you want to go ahead and take it? Uh, yes. So I saw that that is how people scale. But the other benefit is that my my property manager, one of our property managers, she literally told us, I'd rather have y'all having five or six of our units versus five different tenants for five different units. Yeah. Yeah. Think about that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Think about that. If you know that somebody's coming in and they are using the property for Airbnb, which means it has to be pretty and bookable Mm -hmm. and they're trying to get good reviews, they're going to take beautifully staged photos for Mm -hmm. it and they need it to look that same way in a year because they're running a business. Mm -hmm. How much more willing would you as a realtor, property manager, or landlord be to give that property to you than just a tenant that's going to be there for a year and put Mm -hmm. nails all nail holes on the wall (laughs) and try Uh painting things like not clean it for a year there's so much more trust I think that that script really needs to be flipped for people because there's a lot of fear around it but really who has more of an incentive to upkeep the quality of a property than the person who's like yeah right and oh my gosh you just made me realize something when you said that right one of the benefits too to your your landlord is if, okay, we actually give our landlords our pictures for free if they want to put the listing back up. Like if the, like for one of our properties, the rent is going from twelve fifty to two thousand, so we are giving that one up because the numbers just won't work for us. But that's like a whole other story. But in that specific case, um, we use our we gave them our pictures for free just out of the niceness of our hearts. So you can also say, hey, at the end of the lease, look, we have a furnished unit professional photos. You can use these to list your property. And this has worked for our, our owners who um, who list their properties for sale as well. Yeah. 
yeah, they have mm-hmm. photos already staged of the place mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. really nice, trendy furnishings. Really nice. High quality, yeah. professional Good photos. Reviews. <laughs> Good reviews. Yeah. Yeah. That's oh, great. Thanks so much. <clears throat> so, yeah. okay, so so let's run through this process again. So you find the place on Zillow, you go meet the guy in person, uh, you convince them. Now, what do you do from here? Do you have a contract that you try to initiate or do you mm-hmm. just sign whatever rental contract they have? Oh, okay. Good question. It's a really popular question online too. Like, okay, like what kind of rental agreement, what kind of contract do I need? I always tell people the contract is the exact same as a residential contract. So if you've okay. ever lived in an apartment, you've signed a lease before, right? If you're listening, um, that same lease is the same lease you could probably use for short-term rentals. Um, now, if you do, if you are getting more than like two or three units, I would probably reach out to a, a, um, a real estate agent in your city or state so they can put together like a master kind of master lease agreement. Okay. But in general, for our properties, we use a, a, a regular rental lease instead of the Instead of our names being on the lease, it's our business's name. And then the bonus, the the piece that people don't think about is having an addendum that says you can sublet and you can list on different sites. Um, That's really important. I think an addendum is one of the most important things you can do for your business. You just need to make sure that, yeah, that's, yeah. You just you need, you need something in writing that says you can host because if they sell the property and you didn't have an addendum that says you can host and let's say you signed the lease and the lease did said that you can't sublet but the landlord's like oh don't worry about that you're good if that person sells that property if the next person wants to kick you out they can word of mouth will not hold up that happened to us on our very first oh property that very first one we had we walked into our apartment complex one day completely new staff. And they're like, yeah, y'all got to get out of here. Like, y'all got to either stop doing Airbnb or, um, or yeah. So we were like, but our, our last people, they were fine with it. We've been doing it for so long. They're like, well, that's what your lease says. Unfortunately, you have to stop. Oh so gosh. from that, I learned to make sure you always have an addendum or something in the lease that says you can sublet. Don't go off of, oh, girl, you good. Like, you don't got to tell no, 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 no. That leasing office who told you you can do that or that agent, that agent might not be there in three months. Like you just never know. Mm-hmm. I just rather be safe than sorry because it's a business. <laughs> yes, of course. And so you're not going in and like rewriting this entire contract. The typical mm-hmm. standard lease agreement will work. You just want to add that one piece in writing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and adding the words Airbnb and, and rent other rental sites specifically. Okay. Okay. Just make yeah. it very clear that you will be listed on multiple mm-hmm. OTAs and that's uh, online yep. travel agencies. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, um, what kind of things do you run into with you know, a guest uh, breaks the oven. Who Um, is responsible for that? Let's obviously in a perfect world, we get air cover to cover the damages. But (laughs) if they don't, who does that fall on you or the owner? Um, So for us, we because hmm, how can I explain this? Because it's like a property management company managing most apartments and houses, usually the landlord is in charge of like those big fixes and stuff. So we never cover anything ever, ever, ever. Um, I know there are people who pitch that, but for us, it's like, I mean, if it was a long-term tenant, y'all be covering it too. We're a long-term tenant. We're actually taking care of your property more. And what we tell landlords is the benefit to you, and this is another pitch point, another piece of the candy, right? Or a piece of candy is that, People who are coming into town, they're not using appliances like that. The most they're using is our couches and our beds that we're buying. So if we have to replace anything, it's going to be our furniture, but we don't really have to worry about the appliances. But 
if you do have problems with appliances, um, Airbnb has been great to me in terms of getting my refunds. I think you just really have to have that proof um, and stuff like that. But we haven't had any problems like that. Let me think. Have we? Um, we we had a guest who did make the ceiling fall in on another guest because what? she put yeah she had cooking she put cooking grease down the drain but luckily our um our landlord just covered it because it's like a you know why is it why is it fall, why is the roof falling in you know like one of those type of things oh my gosh. Um, yeah, yeah that's like so, a major issue that not just yeah, one like guest is gonna be cause yeah yeah and then um but I always tell people. Like Airbnb, as long as you have evidence, they will be, they're willing to help you. And you have to be able to catch these things like in between stays. But if not, um, just let your landlord know, hey, we noticed this, this is off or this door is hanging a little bit or, or the, 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 the clog is drained. Like we just kind of let them know now with ownership, you know, it's different. But yeah, for arbitrage, you have someone taking care of that for you. Do you ever run into issues where, the landlord agrees to do the repair, but is there ever an <clears throat> issue where there's like no sense of urgency from them? Because I know when I lived in an apartment, it was like, oh, you've got some roaches. We'll <laughs> right. deal with that when we deal with it. But when you have yeah. guests constantly coming in in and out, you have to fix that right away. So how do you mm -hmm. kind of stress that urgency to them? Are there ever times where you've just taken a repair into your own hands and asked for a reimbursement? No, there hasn't been, but that's also part of our, our system. So we have so many like I would say, imagine like a mesh, like a piece of mesh and then pouring sand over. We have like a lot of, like a lot of people have holes in that mesh, but we try to like, I guess, cover every hole that, that we can. So okay. for us, before we even get to that point, we pay attention to how responsive they are during the application process. If they are not responsive, I'm kind of scared. Like, hey, okay, with arbitrage, you will notice things wrong. Like, hey, we did notice like this light bulb or this thing was broken, you will notice things. It, it just happens. Mm -hmm. See how long it takes for them to respond to fix that thing. And if they are taking a while, it's a red flag. But usually, um, yeah, I, yeah, you just have to, you have to have your blinders open when you're starting off. But if there is a point where you do have to like deal with something on your own, I would recommend having Airbnb kind of covered if you are using Airbnb okay. or if you have another insurance okay. to try to help you cover it. Gotcha. I think that's mm -hmm. so smart what you just touched on. Yeah. I think a lot of people decide they want to do arbitrage and are so desperate for their first listing and they keep thinking, are they going to like me? Are they going to trust me? But there, it has to work both ways. You also yeah. have to know that they are going to, that that landlord is going to step in and mm -hmm. handle things with mm -hmm. a sense of urgency and be professional and get back to you promptly. Uh, so yeah, I think that the big takeaway <laughs> I'm seeing is like, don't just rush into it because someone's willing to give you a chance. It has to be a good fit both ways. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's like the same with co-hosting too in a yeah, way. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. It's the same with everything. It's the same with your guests even, right? Like we yeah. were just saying, mm -hmm. don't be so desperate for guests that you just accept anyone. If you get any right. bad feelings about it, decline them, try to phrase some language that gets them to cancel. Um, yeah, it really, this whole business works so much around just trust and good relationships and you have to keep that going and, and just have a good feeling about who you're working with, I think. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> um, I want to ask you too, how do you know if arbitrage is right for you and your personal goals? I know we kind of talked about how now, you know, arbitrage really helps you get your start, but now you're kind of actively trying to pursue ownership. So mm -hmm. when is the right time for someone to know arbitrage is the right path for them? At what point should they start phasing it out if it was never their end goal? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. What can you kind of advise in 
on this topic? So that's a really good question. By the way, thank you for all these amazing questions. Like oh, you are a great you. interviewer. <laughs> these are great questions. But um, to answer your question, so I guess I had a client ask me the other day because we did actually take on another arbitrage unit, I want to say a month and a half ago. And she was like, Kira, like, why are you still taking on more arbitrage units? I thought you were like done with arbitrage. For us, for this specific unit, we have another unit there that's cash flowing us about 1500 to 3000 like honestly, every month, like after bills are paid. And for me, I'm like, well, if the unit's already good, I'm going to use that. That's a lot of cash. For me, it's not worth it on a property if I'm only making like, 300 to 500 a month personally Mm -hmm. everyone's not the same but how to know if arbitrage is for you versus ownership if you are in a position to buy i'm going to tell you this get into arbitrage if you are in the position to buy it's not worth it the numbers are just won't work um you a lot of people always say i just want to test it out no (laughs) buy a property instead because if you don't like it you have so many extra strategies like we were talking about you can sell the home you can get a long-term rental you can get someone on government assistance by the way recession hack government sense a governmental assistance everyone gets paid you know monthly during a recession so Ooh. just want to put that out there but maybe we um, can do a part two episode with you on yeah but um just please if you have more than no matter where you are in the U.S., if you have more than thirty to fifty thousand minimum in your pocket, please don't do arbitrage. Please wow. do ownership. Okay. Okay. Please. Good advice. <laughs> I feel like, the same way, but I feel weird telling people that sometimes because yeah. I know like arbitrage and co-hosting seem like just such like sexy options that you can yeah. get in on such a low the cost. <laughs> and I'm always like, I really think ownership should be your end goal. Like this mm-hmm. is just how you get your foot in the door and start cash flowing to work up to that. So mm-hmm. 30 to 50 K you're hearing it from Kara here. No arbitrage, no co-hosting. You, house. <laughs> you run into ownership. Okay. I love it. <laughs> well, because think about it like this too. If you pay 30,000 to start up like let's say two units, two units, or let's say three, you, you use 30K to start up three units. Let's say on the first two months, you don't make the rent because you're new, you're still trying to get the reviews. You still have to pay the rent regardless, but that's, it's a gamble. It's literally gambling. You have to give money that you'll never see again versus if you own the property, if in the first two months, you don't make enough to cover and you have to pay a little extra, that's your equity. Yep. You're paying toward your equity. There, That's different. That's generational wealth. And that's what people don't get. Also, with arbitrage, you're getting your credit pulled every time when you're starting off. So why not just get your credit pulled, pulled for owning a house? That is, I didn't even think you about know? that point. If you're trying right? to be signing on 10 units a year, your credit is getting mm-hmm. pulled more than 10 times because probably right? not every deal is going to, is going to fall, is going to go through. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. such a good point. And the other thing I've thought about too is I know a lot of lease requirements. If you sign for a year, they'll require mm-hmm. you to pay first and last month's rent and a deposit up front. And so your startup <laughs> costs are more than just, you know, that one month of rent and furniture. You do have to pay kind of ahead of schedule what's what would be due. Uh, what do you what do you think about terms like that? Like terms in the lease agreement? Do you always sign for a year? Do you ever try to do month to month? Uh, how do you like to structure your deals? 
So for me, another good question. Um, I don't do month to month just because it's very risky. Now, if it's at the end of your lease and your landlord's like playing you a little bit, yeah, you have to do month to month. Had that happen, but in general, we try to do minimum a year. If you can do two years, do it, but only do it if you know the numbers work. So the property I just told you about that we just got, um, the new arbitrage property. We're making so much on a unit by that one that has been on the market for a year and a half already. So for us, we're okay with signing a two-year lease because we know that works. But if I'm starting in a brand new area, I don't know what the house is like. I don't want to get stuck in a two-year lease. I know people preach that online, like some coaches preach that, but please be very careful. Now you can have something in your lease that says like at the end of the 12 months, I do get first pick at this specific rent. You can have an addendum for that as well, but just don't pigeonhole yourself. Um, and also a lot of people are not breaking even during their leases too. Um, they're like not even making a penny because they overfurnished on their properties. So with arbitrage, you have to be it. You have to look at every single penny because arbitrage is expensive. You're paying a rent. You're paying market rent. Yeah. The landlord might be paying $900 on their mortgage, but you're paying 3000 So it's expensive. You have to be very careful. So if you have a one bedroom, don't spend more than three to 5,000. If you have a two bedroom, be careful with arbitrage specifically, be careful with spending more than, I would always say add an extra thousand to every three to 5,000. So like, for example, if you have a four bedroom, then do like three to 5,000 plus a thousand per extra bedroom, if that makes sense. And that's how much you should be spending or less. Okay. Okay. That's a good good rule of thumb to follow. I get that question Mm -hmm. all the time, how much to spend on furniture. And it's like, I don't know what market you're in, if you're trying to go for luxury or what, or how big the place is. So that's a really good rule of thumb. Uh, This is a random question I just thought of right now, but (laughs) when you have a lease end and you pull out of a deal, what do you do with the furniture? Like you can't bring all of that home into your garage. Do you have storage units or do you just immediately try to find a new deal to move all that furniture into? Okay, I'm going to I'm going to tell you something that I don't think I've ever said online. Oh, here we go. Okay, exclusive. We actually, well, if we can't find another property that makes sense with the numbers, we sell it to the landlord so they can do Airbnb. Oh, wow. So you almost you get in there, you prove the concept, and then at the end of it, like we talked about at the beginning, some landlords might say, if you can do that, why can't I? And you ask them, well, you haven't been. Now exactly. you can say, I've given you reviews, I've given you a profile. Um, Pictures. Actually, are they even Pictures. able to take the profile like that? No. There's you- a feature that allows you, it's a very new, but I haven't tested it myself. But I mean, they get the pictures and they, they, the pictures. they see your reviews and see that you did well. And the place is ready to go. They, they see the numbers, they buy the furniture outright. Okay. That oh, is really cool. And, yeah. So with most rentals, owners are paying three to 6000 to get it ready to be rented out again. They have to pay $0 between the transfer. That is such a good point too. Um, Mm -hmm. One of my mom's good friends actually owns like 40 long-term rentals. I mean, they're crushing it in real estate, but she said every time they have a long-term tenant move out, um, Mm -hmm. I think they just spent like $20,000 fixing a property because the long-term tenants left it in such bad shape when they moved out. And they think, oh, it's going to get so much damage with people coming in every two to three days. The tenant no. you have there right now could be damaging it, and you don't even yeah, know if you have it stepped foot <laughs> yeah. in there in eight months, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a really good point, too. They There's no, like, t- 
turnaround costs. When you leave, you leave it just as you found it as with it furniture yep. in some cases, you know, and they don't have to go in and do any any major repairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's great. Girl, yeah, it's <laughs> it like arbitrage is great. I think like I said in the beginning, the problem now with arbitrage, why I, I feel like people don't do as well and make the money we used to is because Again, rents are raising, but the hospitality industry as a whole has not like the the presses for hotels just hasn't they haven't risen. And I think until that happens, we're still going to be in the same place. That's where the disconnect is. Yeah. So So rent is raising, but or yeah. okay. so your expenses are increasing, but not really what you're you're able to bring in, which, Mm -hmm. again, on ownership, that's not as big of a deal because you're you're in it for a different goal. You're building that long term equity. But for arbitrage, when every single penny counts. Yeah, you need every penny. And you have to be disciplined. Like, I can't tell you how many of my clients have told me, like, oh, yeah, Kira, I promise I'm going to get started with arbitrage. Like, I promise I'm going to get to ownership. I have my babies to take care of, yada, yada, generational wealth. And when the time where their lease is coming up and, you know, when their landlord increases the rent, I'm like, well, where's the money? Oh, I got used to using my money from the arbitrage units. I'm like, well, you just wasted a whole year. Like you have to be disciplined. If you want to go the arbitrage route, be disciplined so you can save up for a good down payment, you know, two or three arbitrage units for a good down payment on a house. Yeah. But don't give yourself excuses because you're going to end up right back where you were 12 months ago. What would all this work be for? Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. So the way you see it, and I agree, is really this is a stepping stone into the long game of of ownership and generational wealth mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you got to be diligent with those earnings and stuff it's not uh just you know spending money it's supposed right. to feed that ultimate bigger goal that you have exactly ah this is such a good conversation i know i love this um so <laughs> on that note i want to ask what are your next goals i know you already touched that you're really trying to pursue more ownership but what does that look like for you do you guys have any deals in the works right now what uh what markets are you looking in? What kind of properties? Where do you want to, how, how many properties are we talking would be the ultimate goal? I want you to answer that too when I'm doing mine, because I'm curious. Okay. <laughs> you mind. okay, let me think about but, it. <laughs> right. Um, I would say for us, we like the Houston market. I love it. Um, I like Houston because although we don't have regulations, I don't know, it's a whole other conversation, but yep. um, I don't think Houston will ever have regulations. We're just, it's just not a city that will, if anything, HOAs are just going to get stricter. But, um, and I think that's why it's like oversaturated in some zip codes with certain things. Anyways, um, we're going to stay in the Houston market um, and keep growing. Our goal right now, we have a couple of properties we're looking at. Uh, they are also in the neighborhood that we purchased ours, the first one, and we they're not on the market yet. Uh, we just, we created really good relationships with our neighbors. That's and um, they're all like really like, they're they're elder, they're elderly. Ugh, I can't say that word, elderly. So they've already expressed, you know, once like you can have it. Um, so we're kind of oh like, gosh, <laughs> yeah, in a way. So um, we're what just a kinda, testament like, to what you've built and the relationships that you've yeah. curated. Yeah. That's incredible. Oh, yeah. I think one, two, three, four, four of the houses on our same street. My husband convinced the owners to give it to us. So, but he's really personable. So, um, that's yeah, awesome. they've kind of been waiting. Yeah. So that's we're just we're not going to force anything. If we do see anything and the numbers work, we will. But in the meantime, we're kind of just like in a waiting period for kind of, you know, them to decide when they're ready to give them up but we've already they've already agreed they really like what we're doing they love you know the property they're amazing too so 
that's our goals right now. And with arbitrage, I am going to stay in arbitrage because some units, it doesn't make sense to like let go of like two or 3,000 a month profit. Yeah. So I'm like, you know. So, yeah. That's how yeah. I am with co-hosting too. It's not like something I'm actively trying to grow, but I've made such great relationships with owners of the mm-hmm. year. Like just because now my goal is ownership, I'm not going to leave those. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it, it lets you be more selective about who you take on. Like you said, you just took on this arbitrage deal that was really, really good. Um, so I'm kind of like that with co-hosting right now. Like the property has to be really juicy for me to it want to, to manage <laughs> <Right>. it. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise yeah. I'm like all about trying to own my own stuff now. Right. Right. Um, and then your goal. Yeah. Well, thank <laughs> you sure for, <laughs> thanks for flipping the question back and asking. Um, I lately have been really, really driven by by doing some more like creative deals. Um, we purchased an Airstream a few months ago. And originally what I wanted to do was just find a homeowner that maybe had some acreage in the backyard. They're running a rental there and it already has a cleaner. And then we can just have the Airstream as an extension. Um, and I'm still into that as like a temporary option. But now I'm kind of like, why don't I just buy land, put in the hookups and buy five more airstreams, you know, right. and like make like a little glamp side and throw right. a fire pit in the middle and you could yeah. rent out the whole thing. I really feel myself oh my kind of drawn to like these more creative things. Um, but I do like, I really do believe in everything you talked about with creating general generational wealth through owning real estate. So that's always on my mind. Um, but I view that separate from my short-term rental goals because mm-hmm. I just, to me, like real estate, Short-term rental is one vehicle that helps you cover the payments. But like we talked Mm -hmm. about, you could also do a midterm rental, um, buy and hold. You could do a long-term rental. So Mm -hmm. for short-term rental specifically, I like the unique stays and more like Mm -hmm. creative, fun things that just cash flow a ton. Oh my gosh. I'm excited for you. I can't wait to see like where it goes and I'm probably going to be there too. (laughs) I'm really excited for you. Yeah. But that's what's been fun too about like having a podcast and stuff is I get to talk to, and I'm sure you see this working with students, but I Mm -hmm. get to talk to so many people doing different models. I get Mm -hmm. this, like, I don't know. I get like, um, it's very hard to like put your blinders on when you talk <laughs> yeah. to so many people doing interesting things. I'm like, right. oh, they're doing a wedding venue that they also rent. I want to do that. Or they're right, doing right. this. I want to do that. So yeah, um, yeah, there's just always like something new and exciting in this industry. So um, it's fun, but you definitely have to figure out like which direction you want to go and, yeah. <laughs> and keep the path, you know, or you'll get distracted. Right. <laughs> That's so true. Even with your idea of like the airstreams, I think that's going to be really big no matter when you do it. Um, Even like just like, I like with that, you have like an area for like a playground for the kids. And then, you know, like there's so many things you could do with that. Yeah, totally. You could put like a jungle gym or a rock wall Mm -hmm. even. Like there's just so, it's it's your own land and you can build out. It can really be whatever you want it to be. Um, You let me know when that's starting and and I'm going to be there. Okay, you got it. Um, Anyway, Kara, before we sign off, um, first of all, this was amazing. Like I really learned so much about (laughs) arbitrage and what you're doing and how the model works. And it's uh, doesn't seem as sketchy as I think a lot of people (laughs) think that it is. So thank you so much. And I'm also so excited for you to speak at our summit. Um, you guys, if you liked this, this was just a teaser of Kiara's entire Literally. presentation on arbitrage where she will like 
really walk you through how to do all of this. And I know she said she doesn't believe in scripts, but I think you'll get as close to a script as you can and all of the tools. So yeah, this was just a teaser of what's coming in person. Um, Last thing, Kara, is where can people find you, connect with you, and how can you help? Oh, okay. Good question. Yes, y'all better come to the summit. It's going to be amazing. (laughs) But where can you find me? You can find me at the summit. And you can also find me on Instagram and YouTube. Um, I... I try to give as much value as I can on the internet because when I first started, it was really hard. Me coaching as a coach, it was hard trying to find people who could just help me. Um, So if you have questions, let me know. I'll try to get back to you in the DMs on Instagram. If I don't, don't worry. You'll see a video about it on Instagram. I mean, on YouTube. Um, But I'll yeah, link really your excited. I'll link your Instagram and your YouTube okay, channel okay. below as well, um, and your website and everything. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm really hope people reach out to you for more arbitrage questions because this is the one I've not done any arbitrage, but you clearly <laughs> right. know your stuff and you're so helpful and willing to give a ton of value. So oh, um, yeah. I'm very proud of you too, and how how much you've done and built. I remember when I I think when I first started following you, I want to say it was around the time you were pregnant with your last your last yeah. baby. And I, I remember like, I saw the things you were going through and you have been so resilient in everything you've been doing. So I just hope you give yourself credit too. Aww. Seriously. Kira, so. thank you. I'm like so excited to finally meet you in person in <laughs> know, February I'm and like excited. actually hug you in person and I know. not just yeah. talk to you online. I know, just virtual. <laughs> I know. Yeah, oh, thank you again so much. And um, yeah, I hope everybody connects with you and we'll see you in person in February. Thank you. Finally, for this week's Am I the Airbnb Hole, this one I found on a Facebook group and it absolutely had me dying laughing reading this. I was cringing so hard and wanting to just crawl out of my skin as I read this. So let me bring this to you guys so we can debrief on this one. So this host posted, well, dot, 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 this was left in our guest book. Two nice ladies enjoying a girl's weekend. Any thoughts on how to leave their review? And then he attaches a picture of what this one of his guests wrote in the guest book. And I I just have to read it to you, all right? So here we go. Phew, I am spent. Barely have the strength to hold this pen, let alone use it to tell you how magical this little cabin is. Who knew that a weekend in the woods is all it would take to turn back the clock? We were going at it like 20-somethings without a care in the world. Didn't even close the curtains or blinds. Not that anyone would have walked up on all the noise we were making. Thank you. We needed that. Now, if we can just manage to get dressed without another round, we will drive back home with two big smiles, sore backs, and some rug burn. All right, you guys, um, I'm very happy for these two guests. Um, Genuinely, I'm very happy for them. I hope that they left this host a five-star review. Um, And the host asks, I don't know what to leave their review. He should leave a good review. If they left it clean and they were respectful during their stay, I don't know why this would get them a bad review. Uh, but the host needs to rip this page out of the guest book, okay? God forbid the next group to check in is a family with some 10-year-old kids who start reading this. Um, this is just so 
inappropriate to write in a guest book, thank God the host read this. Like, I'm sure there are a lot of hosts out there who have a guest book and do not ever read what the guests are writing. They just have it there. They don't visit their place. Their cleaner is just, you know, coming in, checking the place quickly, getting the turnover done and heading out. And nobody reads these until the family goes up once a year to go catch up on all the things the guests have written. So I'm glad that the host here actually read this and was able to catch it. He definitely needs to rip this page out. He can keep it as a keepsake of... uh, all the fun that was had at his cabin, you know, it's it's great to know that your guests are enjoying themselves and he better get a five-star review out of this. But these women leaving this just in the guest book, I can't, you guys, I wanted to just, oh my God, that is so cringy. Um, I don't think anyone here is the Airbnb hole, but there were definitely some holes that were pleasured and satisfied during this day. All right. On that note, I'm signing off. You guys are actually going to get a bonus episode this week. I don't know if you heard, but today, officially, November 16th, there have been a bunch of new releases and updates to the Airbnb platform. This is part of their winter release. And we are going to be back here this week with a bonus episode to break down these updates and what they mean for you as hosts and also what the changes are going to mean for your guests. So tune back here later this week. Chat soon. And with that, it is now checkout time. Thanks for listening and I'll see you back here next week. Lastly, as Airbnb hosts, we all can appreciate a good five-star review. So you already know a great review on this podcast would mean so much to me. Please subscribe, review, share, and connect with me in the show notes below. Bye.